Lord to have His way in, in this place. Father, thank You this morning that we've been given the opportunity not only to honor You, but to honor those that have gone before us. We honor those lives today that were lost on 9-11 and the effects those days after. We don't forget. We don't, re, we don't have resentment. We don't have hatred and anger, but we do remember today. We thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that our minds can go from remembrance to resentment really fast. I don't know about you, but I've experienced loss. I've, I've had pain. I've had uh, difficulty come to my life. Anybody else like that this morning? You've had difficulty, and at points, uh, the memory of that difficulty, of that memory can bring resentment. And again, that's not our goal this morning. Our goal is uh, to have uh, a memory and have remembrance of what happened, uh, but to have some a resolve moving forward. And we've all lost some things. We've all had moments of significant loss, and we carry the memory of those things. That I, I know that there's those in here this morning, you've had, you've had losses in families, you've had losses in, in, in uh, disease, you've had losses in employment. Law, there is the memory of loss at the forefront of your mind. But the truth is this morning that God gives us a resolve to continue on. And I want to use a, a scripture this morning that really came to me through the unction of the Holy Spirit. The Lord really just brought me to uh, 2 Timothy this week. And I want to read 2 Timothy 4 and 14 to you. And I believe that uh, as we uh, get into this this morning, you'll understand the connection between this scripture. And I said earlier this week, how do you preach on 9-11? Amen. You wouldn't want that job this morning, would you? But I believe the Holy Spirit is going to do a, a great job ministering to us. The Word of the Lord says these words, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should also be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. goes on to say, At my first defense, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And it goes on in verse 19. Greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Anephrius. Astraeus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Metellus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so does Pudence, Lydia, and Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. This morning, again, remember and resolve. And resolve means to decide firmly on a course of action. In 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy and the book of Titus, I love. They're pastoral epistles written to the household of faith. 
They are not governmental. They are not apostolic in perspective and view, but they are a shepherd speaking to the sheep, the family of God. I, I love this because it reminds me that, that those coming after me, and, and uh, there are many young men and young women in this place, and we've had several conversations in, in the last weeks about teams, about building teams and, and building community around not only uh, those of us that are, you know, 20 and 30 and 40, but building teams with young people involved. If you look around the room today, the young people are working, amen. And this portion of Scripture is addressing this. This portion of, of Scripture is a teaching to two young men that are carrying on the mission of Jesus Christ. I absolutely love it. I pray that you'll go and read through First and Second Timothy and Titus as the Apostle Paul begins to minister to these outstanding men of God. And Paul is well-seasoned. Paul is not a young man. He is not, a, he is not wandering in these texts. He is brilliant by all accounts. He is bilingual. He is in intellectual. He is emotionally brilliant. He, he has the thought, but he not only has the thought, he communicates the thought. You've been there before. You had something to say, but couldn't say. Anybody ever been there? Paul doesn't have this issue in the New Testament. He writes New Testament theology with great understanding, profound power, and authority from heaven. Paul, in this portion of Scripture, is teaching young men and women how to carry the gospel forward. He's also sharing in this Scripture, though, through intellect, through the Holy Spirit, and through experience, that he's experienced pain and he's also given pain. Interesting perspective here in the text that oftentimes we talk about the receiving of pain. We talk about our experience, how someone's hurt us and someone's disrespected us and someone, how dare they talk to me that way. But in these portions of Scripture, Paul not only talks about how he's received pain, but Paul talks about how he's given pain. And we've all given pain, haven't we? And Paul is brave enough and Paul is direct enough and Paul is wise enough to address this with young men and women who he's teaching after him. God says Paul to lead the Gentiles. Tough people. Blatant sinners. And God has anointed Paul to minister to us and to the Gentiles because he's been attacked and he's been the one attacking. And Paul, in this portion of Scripture today, is sharing with his audience the difficulty he has faced. And he's facing more than the difficulty of persecution. He is facing the difficulty of rejection. The disciples that had met with Jesus, as Jesus had instructed and taught the, the disciples, they rejected Paul as well, the, the writer of most of the New Testament, because they weren't familiar with him. He wasn't at the Mount of Transfiguration. He wasn't there when Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood, touched the hem of his garment. He wasn't there when Jesus healed the blind man. He wasn't there as they walked with Jesus. And now this 
Johnny-come-lately, if you may, shows up on the scene and begins to write theology and begins to write understanding with no relationship, really, with the Pharisees now and with the apostles. Rejected and ostracized at all corners. This is the spirit of 2 Timothy. His final thoughts are here in this text. And we are reading the conclusion to a man. His final thoughts. Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And my time for departure is near. And I fought the good fight. You know the scripture. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He is reminiscing and remembering how every time he went through something, a piece of him was taken. You know that feeling. You went through a divorce. You got through the divorce, but a piece of you was left. You got through raising kids, but a piece of you was taken. You got educated. You, you, you got your college degree, but a piece of you was left somewhere along the line. You started a business, and people clapped, and, and they patted you on the back, but a piece of you was left on the road. And these are the words of Paul. I've been pouring out like a drink offering. He's reminiscing. Drop by drop, his life has been given. With, with every journey, something is taken from you, and you went through difficulty and pain, but surviving means you suffer. My first thought today is surviving, continuing the journey, the faith journey, doing the gospel mission of which you've been called, leaves you leaving drops along the way. Surviving means you suffered. And I know this isn't popular preaching, but it's sound doctrine. It costs you something to endure the walk of Jesus Christ. Not only physically, but emotionally, spiritually. You can survive, but it costs you something. And people will never know how much has gone out of you to be you. Still here, but suffered. The car is here, but it's been used. It's been broke. It's been tattered. It's driven through salt. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. It cost you something. You're not getting out of it, Christy. Amen. The further you go, the more it costs you. It's not the years. It's the mileage. See, if you park a car in a barn and you put a cover over it, and you never touch it for 20 years, you can pull that car back out, and it'll look like brand new. But the minute you put that car on the road, the minute you take the faith journey that God has called you on, all of a sudden things start to shake, rattle, and roll. It costs you something, the journey that you're on. And he's teaching his sons in the faith. Sons, daughters, hear me. It costs you something, but Paul says these words, it's worth it. I love the writing here in this scripture because he's so honest. 
He's so forward. He's so truthful. He says you're going to get poured out, but the journey is worth it. Your faith is worth it. Your salvation is worth it. It's not only worth it for you, but it's worth it for the audience that's listening at the doormat of your heart. It's worth it for your children. And Paul says, boys, the suffering was worth it. And he's making a final review for his students. And here is your lesson today. He's saying to his students, I begin to think at conversations that I've had lately. Many people are having conversations with themselves, saying things like this, is it worth the journey that I've been on? Am I validated? Am I loved? Am I valued? Am I appreciated? These are the thoughts of many people. And Paul pauses in this portion of text. He pauses as an older man, as an experienced man in this moment. And maybe he's speaking to you this morning. You say, I'm having a midlife crisis. I'm, I'm contemplating. Was, has it been worth it? Where am I? Do people validate me? Do people appreciate me? And Paul pauses. He pauses time almost. And he says, it was worth it. The suffering is worth it. We must look to God in our pain and suffering and say it's worth it and become better and wiser in the face of every event. We must feed wisdom and understanding not only by our victories, but by our pain. My second thought this morning is we choose in our pain whether we get better or bitter. I got to stop here and just read this story to you. It, it just struck me. And the woman's name is Janelle Guzman. And on September 11, 2001, at 846 in the morning, a jet hijacked by an Islamic terrorist hit the top floors of her 110-story building, also known as the North Tower. Feeling a second shake, that Miss Guzman, 50, later realized was from another hijacked hitting the second tower next door. She and a co-worker named Rosa decided to walk down the staircase against the permission of her boss. In high heels with feet aching, the then 30-year-old stopped on the 13th floor to take her high heels off, and then the tower collapsed at 10.28 a.m. Everything went Boom, she recalls. Everything was crumbling and was just coming down on top of me. Guzman would be buried for more than a day in the tower. I felt like, she says, I was, was there forever. I just thought I was dreaming. I figured this has to be a dream. This isn't happening to me. I didn't know if anybody was going to find me. I just laid there. I heard everything that was going on. I heard someone crying. I heard faint voices. I heard trucks and walkie-talkies all around me, but I couldn't call out for some reason. She says, the dust in my mouth was too heavy. I just laid there. 
and in pain. It was shooting like steel sticking to my side by my stomach. I only left, had my left hand loose. I was trying to position myself to ease the pain, but it didn't, it didn't help. I tried to put my head out, and I realized it was wedged and stuck between rocks. I was thinking, I'm going to die. I knew I wasn't going to get out. I was preparing myself, but then I decided in the moment to pray. Just knew that I wanted to be alive. I, I wanted to live, and then I was giving up. I said, oh, God, take this. Take this from me. When I heard someone cry out to me, and I believe he said, I've got you. My name is Paul. He told me to hold on to his hand, and I held his hand, talking to me, telling me, you're going to be okay. I'm not going to let you go. Guzman spent 27 hours in the rubble before rescuers arrived. Her right leg was crushed. Her head was swollen and face burned. She was hospitalized for over a month, and the doctors at one point considered amputating her leg. Through this entire ordeal, her boyfriend was at the site of the attack. While in the hospital, she asked McMillan a question that had been on her mind as she was in the rubble. She said, honey, when I get out of the hospital, I want to get married at the church. They did on November 7th of that year, and it's been a beautiful journey from there on, says McMillan. At 58, who works for the Port Authority at JFK Airport, we appreciate each other now more than ever. There was a 99.9 chance that I'd never make it out, but I made it out. I was given a new life. She's now a supervisor at the Port Authority at LaGuardia Airport. I know that God has a bigger plan for me. I'm just trying to do what is right and encourage people to move forward despite overwhelming adversity. Listening to the Holy Spirit in our pain will lead us to what God has in front of us. Not just the victories, not just the miracles, not just the hype moments, not just the moments where I felt, didn't you feel that I was tingly? See the hair on my hand, the, the hair standing up. Not just those moments listening, but the moments of extreme hurt and the moments of extreme pain and the moments of extreme difficulty, crying out to God and saying, God, what are you showing me in the midst of this? We choose whether we get better or will we get bitter? And Janelle made up her mind. She, pre she speaks and ministers all over the world. And one thing she says, I refuse to bring up the people who did that to those towers. The only reference that I ever make to them is that I forgive them and I've moved on with my life. Other than that, I speak about what God did in my life and the miracle he did in and through me. I love this story. 
And what I love about it the most is when I begin to read this story about Paul and draw the parallel that the angel that found her in that tower that had fell on top of her, his name was Paul. The crazy thing about it, all the history and all the resources that were thrown at that day, they couldn't find a man named Paul that was there. I'll leave you to surmise who that Paul was. But I know who he was. If she'd remained bitter, she'd remained in the hole. It might not be a physical hole, but it'd be a hole in her heart. And you have a choice this morning. You can stay in the rubble, or you can move on with God's best for your life. In the text today, we are reading of a man enslaved for the gospel. Catch this today. We are reading of a man, his own words. He says, I am a willing slave for the gospel. And he's telling us when you're a Christian, not every day is a great day. Not every day is an easy day. Not every day will be a kind day. When you do the work of Jesus, you might be a prisoner for the gospel's sake one day. It might not be in a physical sense, but you might feel that prison in a spiritual sense. You can still be purposeful and have rough days. You can still accomplish the mission and have a miserable day. If you decide, I'm not getting bitter, I'm getting better. It doesn't matter what's going around you. It matters what's going on in you. And Paul tells Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. I saw this this week. I have heard this preached hundreds of times. I have heard this taught with power and authority from heaven hundreds of times. I've read it hundreds of times like you, but I never saw this like I saw this this week. He never said, I won the fight. He said, I fought the good fight. He never said, I went from city to city, from people to people, and they all loved me, and they all embraced me, and they all thought I was great. They all clapped when I preached. Amen. He didn't say that. He said, I fought a good fight. My third thought, you don't have to win every fight. You don't have to win it. You just stay in it. Man, that's got a good ring to it. If that's not Jesus, I don't know what is. You don't have to win it. Just stay in it. Keep fighting. When people throw you out of the city, keep preaching the good news on the road. When people slander you and spread gossip about you, you remember Paul when he got bit by the snake and the people that were there with him, you know what they said about him? They said he must have sinned. That's the gossip. But he kept going. He kept pursuing the call that God had laid on him. And I've come to tell you this morning from the unction of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't reward winning, he rewards enduring. I'm preaching myself happy. I'm preaching myself happy. He doesn't, he doesn't reward winning and losing. 
He doesn't say, oh, you won this one. You, you get a reward. He does oh, you lost that one. Ah, move, move along. He rewards continue, continuing, fighting the good fight of faith as a dad. Fighting the good fight of faith as a wife. Fighting the good fight of faith as a husband. Fighting the good fight of faith for 25 years as a pastor on good days and on bad days. Just keep on plugging. See, I'll preach to him when he's not even here. Amen. It never says that he won. It just says he endured. When Paul tells Timothy this, he's not bragging. Oh, I won. I got it. Let's see if you can do it now, Timothy. I'm going to heaven. He says, I fought it. I endured it. I lived through prison. I lived through tears. I lived through hurt. I lived through pain. And I continued. In 2 Timothy 4 and and 5, it says, But keep your head in situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep fighting. Not keep winning. Keep moving. Not keep being number one. Keep going. He says, I fought the good fight of faith, and I'm not even mad about it. I'm not angry. I'm not resentful. I'm not bitter. I'm just fighting the good fight of faith. Win or lose, up or down, I'm fighting the good fight of faith. We've come to the understanding that enduring, when we endure, that's where the crown is. God blesses continuing. Bloody, discouraged, sad, brokenhearted, he, he rewards continuing. We must make peace with the fact that we can't win every time. But credit is given when you continue. I wish, I wish someone in this place this morning would receive this. You can't win every battle. You can't win every ministry outreach. You can't win every ser- serving opportunity. You're going to say the wrong thing. People won't receive you. People won't want you. But if you continued, continued discharging the work that God has called you to, that's where the reward is. And Janelle in this story knows I could die in this building. But she also knows I might not die. She knew she might get crushed, but she also knew I might not get crushed. She knew I might get burned, but she also knew I might not. She kept fighting. She kept wiggling. She kept praying. She kept believing. And if you keep fighting and you keep believing and you keep pressing forward, you will see the light of day one day or another. There's no way she should have made it. 27 hours in that tower. Some of us hit 27 minutes, and we get the wiggles. Amen. She was in there 27 hours in that hole. That's amazing to me. Last living person pulled from the wreck. Her story is so amazing. It struck me. I cried like a baby this week. Came from Trinidad. Came, came from nothingness. 
to come to America just to face this difficulty. She could have gave up, but she didn't. And now she says, my fourth point, your past has come to propel you to your future. Timothy 4 and 16 says it this way, at my first defense, no one came to support me, but everyone deserted me. Paul says it this way, I went to trial and no one came. And what struck me about this is Paul raised people from the dead. Paul healed the sick. Paul gave doctorate to an entire city. Paul wrote New Testament theology for the Scriptures. And you went to trial and nobody came? No, nobody came to your defense? Nobody came to say, hey, he's a good dude, man. Nobody came to my defense. In all the body of the work that he did, nobody came? And then Paul says something. Because he won't let bitterness creep in. He says, I pray that the Lord does not lay it to their charge. Paul prays for the people who disappointed him. And so did Janelle. I love that story. She never brings up any of the people that hit the World Trade Centers in all the speeches, in all the conversation. She never brings it up. St. Paul and Janelle both know they can't finish bitter and upset and angry and disappointed because it will only weaken their future. Janelle says, I was buried in the rubble and I didn't curse the people who did it. And I still don't today. And Paul said, no man stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. And what I'm supposed to tell you this morning is stop worrying about who did or didn't do what they were supposed to. You have an opportunity to brag on how good God has been to you and to your family. And God has been with us. And God has been with you. And he will continue being with you. And we've got to focus on making peace where God has brought us and placed us. My last thought. Making peace with where I am. Making peace with what has happened. Making peace with where I am. If you don't, if you haven't heard anything I've said this morning, hear this well. If you don't make peace with what God is doing in you today, you'll hate every Timothy and Titus that comes along. Or every individual who has more energy than you. Maturity says, I am at peace with what God is doing in me. Paul says it this way, godliness with contentment is great gain. This doesn't mean you don't have ambition. It just means you don't use the ambition to create frustration and hate in your own heart. You don't have to amen me. It's okay. You can't be so ambitious that you become miserable. You can't be so ambitious that you begin to hate other people. Be good with what God is doing in you. Bloom where you are. And can I tell you today, God has spoken this to me over and over and over again. Ryan, focus on what I'm doing 
in you today. You're not racing anyone else, Ryan. You're being the best you that you can be. I came all this way to say, don't have resentment. Don't have anger with your past, with people, with situations. Focus on what God has created you to be. Listen to this. Some are quiet. Some are loud. Some are skinny. Some are husky. Amen. I can say that. Good, be good with who God made you. I might not have what you have. I might not have a shield and a shiny sword like you have, but if I got a rock and a slingshot, I'm going to use it to the best of my ability to be who God's created me to be. I'm not focusing on what I don't have. Yeah, I'll continue to develop and grow, but I'm not going to resent what did happen, what didn't happen, who did come, and who didn't come. I'm going to move forward with the grace that God has given me to run the race. 2 Timothy 4, I'm done with this. Listen to these words. I fought the good fight. I finished my course. <laughs> Just tell your neighbor my course. Tell him my course. God didn't call you to your neighbor's course. God didn't call you to your best friend's course. God didn't call you to your neighbor's course. He called you to your course. No more focusing on what did or didn't happen. No more focusing on who did and didn't hurt you. No more focusing on who left me or who didn't leave me. Focusing on the path that God has before me. Because you can't change the past, but you can change today. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Father, today we remember and we resolve that you're faithful and just to complete what you've begun in us. I pray for someone who's, they're lost, they're hurting, not physically, but mentally, spiritually. They're just, they've fallen on hard time. Father, begin to reveal to them the miracle that's right in front of them right before them. I pray for young men and young women in this place who have a clear, concise focus on what you have for them. They're not trying to prove anything to anybody. No chips on any shoulders. Father, let us raise up sons and daughters who know you and know your working way. We say thank you to that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to say thank you for being here this morning. I'm honored that you come. Those of you that are online today, God bless you so much. It's been fun to be here with you today. We pray you have a fantastic day and a great week. God bless you.
When ten thousand arrows take flight, remind me that you are my armor. There's always a place I can hide when I am desperate for shelter.